on today's episode with Jamil Kelly. From the from the way the Nationals broke down, I knew who I was going to have to wrestle to to get through the tournament. So it was just kind of you know one match at a time. But like I said, it was probably the most free that I've just ever just wrestled and just kind of just went out there and, and let it fly. And we can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gents, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. This is your host, Ryan Warner. My guest today is Jamil Kelly, one of the great stories of our generation. And what I mean by that is, you know, Jamil placed fourth in the state tournament in high school. That was the best he did. He never All-American for Oklahoma State, qualified for nationals twice, but never All-American. And then in 2000, he has this kind of chance run-in with Kara Colat at the Olympic Training Center. And lo and behold, Colat asked Jamil Kelly to be his training partner for the 2000 Olympics. So Jamil Kelly goes over there, experiences the Olympic Games, and then has this fire lit that he wants to make the Olympic team himself. And so he goes from never winning a state title, never being a college All-American, to winning the World Team Trials in 2003, which was one of the most loaded weights of all time. You had Lincoln McElravey, Bill Zadick, Tony Davis, and Chris Bono. So he wins that bracket, and then in 2004, he makes the Olympic team and gets a silver medal in the Olympics. So within four years, he went from having no Olympic aspirations to being an Olympic silver medalist. It's one of the great stories of all time. Love the conversation. Hope you do as well. Fan of the week goes to Tuesday Tilts. That's at Tilts Tuesday on Twitter. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support, my friend. Last but not least, this episode is brought to you by the Wrestling Changed My Life store. Go to store.wrestlingchangedmylife.com for t-shirts, hoodies, merch, coffee mugs, stickers, you name it, we got it. And as you can imagine, all proceeds go to support this fine podcast here. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Jamil. Kelly. We are here with Jamil Kelly. Jamil, thanks for doing the podcast, man. I appreciate it. No problem. Thank you for having me. Now, I think a lot of people, at least a lot of people in the wrestling world, know your story that you never placed, you know, higher than fourth in high school and, um, you know, got involved with it late. But I would love to know, like, before you got involved with wrestling as a freshman, what was life like for you? And where'd you grow up? What was your family like? Siblings, that kind of thing. What's the origin story? Well, I grew up in uh, Central California, in a small town called Atwater. It was a military base called Castle Air Force Base, how I ended up there. And, um, just a typical kind of blue-collar town. Um, you know, I competed in track, football, basketball, baseball growing up. And um, I actually had an older cousin that wrestled, and I had kind of seen it before, but it was something that I never uh, in my wildest dreams thought that I would be uh, doing for, for as long as I have. <laughs> And so how did it, I mean, I, from what I understand, you were a small kid. Um, was your, was your family into athletics or they had like a sports family or they just kind of let you do your own thing? Yeah. They just kind of, you know, supported me and, and let me do my own thing. Um, I had some different cousins and such that, you know, like I said, competed in different sports, but uh, nobody really on like a high level that, um, you know, I had all these, these aspirations and dreams. I was just like a typical kid, you know, I, I grew up wanting to be Michael Jordan and, and Gary <laughs> Sanders. And uh, because I was uh, 4'11", 95 pounds my freshman year in high school, um, you know, my basketball, my basketball dreams are starting to 
starting to deteriorate. I was still holding out, you know, I could be the next Spud Webb or something like that. But uh, fortunately for me, my one of my football coaches, my freshman year was, you know, also the wrestling coach. And he was like, look, you need to go out for wrestling. It'll help you in football, you know, with your size, basketball's not in your future. And, you know, come, come join the team with your cousin and so on and so forth. And um, I was a kid that always stayed active, you know, I was always doing something. So um, the thought of that, I was like, all right, I'll give this, this wrestling thing a try. And, uh, you know, once I started it, I just fell in love with it. Were you good right away? Or did you go through your go through your lumps like the rest of us? Yeah, you know, I went through my lumps. Obviously, starting as a freshman, you don't know anything. Um, you know, I had a lot of natural ability that would, you know, I, I could do well. But, you know, I was JV my whole freshman year, uh, JV league champ. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I didn't, I, I didn't uh, yeah, I, did, I didn't come out of the gates just, you know, making varsity and, and going and placing at all these tournaments. I was. I was just JV my, my freshman year. I went to a Cal State Bakersfield camp my, the summer of my freshman year. And, um, you know, once I started it, I just I, – I really wanted to try to try to get as good as I could, as quick as I could. So I, I became just this – you know, I became obsessed with just learning new techniques and trying new things and, and can, uh, doing what I could do to, to advance and get better. And, you know, mind you, I'm, I'm old. So this is, you know, before the Internet and being able to just get on uh, – get online and checking out new techniques and such you were you only knew what you were exposed to so um you know i would i would try to learn from other people that i saw at different tournaments and so on and so forth and then just try to go back and and try new techniques on top of what i was already learning from my coaches yeah i've heard you say that when you were at the training camp at 2000 in colorado springs that that was the first time you really got to watch russians wrestle which is kind of crazy to think about before the internet that was just the reality Right. I mean, you, you weren't exposed to that, you know, that kind of stuff. And I had no reason to really, you know, watch the uh, international guys wrestle. So um, that was just kind of like eye opening to see all these different techniques and styles. And and, you know, it, it really just was like, wow, this is this is great. And um, obviously it gave me an opportunity to learn some new things that I incorporated to my style of wrestling. So you were really kind of taking a a systematic approach to it, studying different techniques and kind of figuring out your style. When you got the last one, was that the first time you were exposed to some, what you would say, like really high-level wrestling and, and high-level coaching, being around the guys like Tony Davis and Sony Marchetti? Um, or did it happen later for you? Yeah, um, you know, I had, I had great coaches in high school. They took me to all the tournaments, um, throughout the state, you know, we, it would sometimes just be me and my coach driving all the way from Southern, driving down to Southern California, which is like, you know, six, seven hours to yeah. wrestle in Cadet State and Cadet Greco State. And um, I wasn't from a, a powerhouse school, so I didn't have a, a lot of great partners per se. You know, I, ha I had guys that would come in and, and help me and do, you know, would work hard, but not guys that, you know, were really going to push me to that next level and, until I got to Lassen where I had guys that could, you know, really beat me up and so that that helped elevate me like I said since I started young I I embraced it and you know I liked the opportunity that I had um as far as being around those different uh those high caliber guys that had credentials and that were really able to to help push and drive me and and to also see you know what they were doing and you know guys like TJ Williams and um that was you know I trained with obviously he had a you know a lot of credentials coming coming out of high school. So, you know, being able to compete and train alongside a guy like him, you know, also gave me confidence in myself. Yeah. It takes a special person though, to kind of have that mindset where you're open to learning from anyone and everyone. Um, and one thing I was curious about was, you know, before you got involved with wrestling, were you a kind of like an obsessive person? Like you got really into the thing you were doing or did, was that like the first time you really got down the rabbit hole in something? Um, I would say it is in the sense of, you know, wrestling, there's so many little small intricate parts to, you know, having success as far as technique and, and doing the proper technique and skills and so on and so forth. I was, I was really, I was pretty good in track when I was younger. And that's probably one of the things that helped me, you know, when I look back at it, as far as, um, training and mindset. Um, so I, I was used to, to training hard and working hard, but it, you know, it's, 
track's track. You, you get on the track, you run as fast as you can, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know. And so there wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of thinking, I guess, involved. Um, and the same, you know, with playing basketball, football, baseball, those other things. Obviously, there, you know, there there are things, but at the same time, that gets to be team oriented. And as far as individual, uh, in the, being in an individual sport and being able to to kind of nitpick and figure out things on your own, wrestling was the first time that I, I really uh, was able to do that and embrace that. Well, and then you, you know, after after Lassen. A lot of you guys transferred out. You know, TJ went to Iowa. Obviously, was was Reggie right there as well, or did he go to another JC? Yeah, Reggie. Reggie came right at the tail end of when I was leaving. I spent a short time with him. Um, Sonny Marchetti was there when I was there. Paul Gomez, who went to Nebraska. Kelly Rebels that went to um, uh, Eastern Illinois. Shelton Benjamin that went to Minnesota, and we had a couple wow. of Russian, Russians uh, that were on our team. Um, that were it, it was just really exposing me to like I said just a lot of different style techniques and, and partners that that really helped elevate me. Well, and Lassen's unique because California has its own JUCO system, which I don't think a lot of people know about, and it's it's kind of unique because they run in the fall semester like a football schedule, but Lassen's one of the holdouts, and so they have you know all these guys who. You know, I, I think a lot of them from the Midwest want to go just because of the weather. I mean, Northern California isn't Southern California, but you know, there's that, and then there's the great coaching there and the great program. And so you guys all kind of dispersed to your D1 outlets. How did you end up at Oklahoma State? So just kind of like you mentioned, Lassen, um, we, committed, we competed in NJCAA, and we had the opportunity to compete in a lot of different open tournaments. I competed in Midlands, and at the time, the St. Louis Open and the Northern Open um, – and when I competed in those tournaments, you know, I was, I was knocking off some division one guys and it caught the eye of, you know, some division one schools. So that gave me the opportunity to kind of show my skills and what I was capable of doing. And, and, you know, Oklahoma state came knocking at my door, giving me a call. Coach Perry gave me a call and, and John Smith was somebody who I kind of emulated a lot of my style. I bought How Low Can You Go? I think my sophomore year in high school, and I literally probably watched it over a thousand times <laughs> and figured out kind of kind of how to do the little single myself. I would I would go over the motions in my living room. I would go to practice, try it, figure out a fault, go back, watch the film again, go back to practice, and um, you know, have an opportunity to to be coached by him was just kind of like I'm coming, you know. And then making my trip to Stillwater, going on a visit, I was just like, "Wow, this is amazing! This is this is uh, this is a dream come true." Any good uh, recruiting trip stories there? Like, who hosted you? Would you guys anything anything that jumps out there? Was it pretty standard? No, it was actually pretty awesome. It was during the World Cup. The World Cup was in Stillwater, and so when I came in, you know, I was getting to see all these international wrestlers that I had never seen before. So. You know, Iran was there and all their all their fans and, you know, obviously the Russian team and, and just seeing those guys work out and train. Um, it was just kind of mind-blowing just being able to see that level of wrestling and you know, being like, wow, I could, I could be a part of that. This is the kind of stuff that happens at a school like this. And um, Hardell Moore was my coach. And to this day, one of my best fr- uh, coach, he was my host and um, <laughs> one of my best friends to this day that just, you know, kind of really – showed me around, made me feel comfortable and, and, uh, you know, really kind of solidified my, my choice in going there. And I had also been familiar with Eric Guerrero, who I had been on, um, junior national teams and cadet teams in California as well as Mark Munoz. So there was some familiar familiarity there. Yeah. The California, it's say that California was loaded at that time. A- Adam Terrapelli had left a little bit earlier and maybe actually he was the same age as Guerrero, Steven Abbas, Mark Munoz, I mean, unbelievable. Like, I'm rattling off some of the best names in college wrestling, you know, between Abbas and Guerrero, and they were, you know, all coming up at the same time. And so you, you get to Oklahoma State, you have Guerrero there. Um, obviously, not the not the national championship teams yet, but that was coming later. And so you crack in the lineup as a sophomore, qualify for the nationals. And then, you know, one thing I was surprised to see is that you were – I couldn't tell if you were battling – at 133 or 141, your junior year, and it kind of who that was, who that competition was between, because you didn't, I guess you didn't start your junior year. Is that right, or was there an injury that kind of happened in there? 
No, I, I, I had lost the starting spot to Charles Walker. I was competing at 141. Um, we had kind of split time through my, my junior year. Um, we had a wrestle-off right before the conference tournament. And, you know, he beat me. And it was kind of one of those, um, you know, like moments like I was like, you know, I'm not good enough. I don't know what I, you know, want to do. You know, I'm starting to try to point blame at the coaches and everybody else. And, and um, it was it was just a real tough time as far as my wrestling career, figuring out what I wanted to do and how I was going to, you know, stay in the sport and try to just continue to evolve and get better and not not feel like I just maybe, maybe I bit off more than I could chew and maybe I'm I'm not able to compete at this level and maybe I shouldn't be here. You know, I started to question myself a lot during that time. So it was a, it was a rough time. Obviously I was able to get through it, but um, you know, it obviously, it helped me develop as a, as a wrestler and a, as a man, but it was a, uh, it was quite a tough, tough time for sure. And looking back on that, I mean, what do you think, like any techniques or tactics you use to get through it that maybe someone else who's going through a tough time could use anything that sticks out to you? Um, for me, my, my whole college career, the biggest issue I had was just confidence and believing in myself. Um, you know, I went from high school, taking fourth of state to a junior college, Oklahoma state, all of a sudden I'm in the room with national champs and all Americans. And, um, just assuming that everybody that I competed against was just better than me just because of their credentials and the experience that they had and, um, not really believing enough in what I was capable of doing. So I was always going out and wrestling not to lose instead of wrestling to win. And it, it just kind of hampered me throughout my whole college career. And like once you graduated Oklahoma State, did you have any aspirations of wrestling in the Olympics? Or was that kind of something that hadn't crossed your mind yet? It hadn't crossed my mind at all. You know, obviously <laughs> I didn't I didn't accomplish anything. So there was no reason for me to think that there was a future in wrestling or for me to to have any level of success um so it's it's kind of i mean it's obviously crazy how things worked out because you know at the end of my senior season you know i didn't know what i was going to do was trying to figure it out you know if i was going to move back to california trying to find a job coaching high school and wrestling or you know what i was going to do that i was just kind of at that point everybody kind of goes through when they graduate and not know what what's next what's the next step and I was, uh, you know, very fortunate that um, I was able to have the opportunity that I that I did that, you know, opened the doors that, that so led let's, me to where I am now. I mean, that's that's saying it lightly. So let's get because this is where the things get juicy. So from what I understand, you're at a summer camp in Reno, like doing like a wrestling camp, and for some reason the guys decided to stop by Colorado Springs on the way back. Is that kind of how it went down? It was on the way there. Um, so we used to do a, a summer camp in Reno and John, John Smith was the, the Olympic coach in 2000. So we were on our way to, to Reno and, and stopped there in Colorado Springs um, during one of the training camps. And as most people know, during those training camps, college kids are there and, you know, the national team's there. If they need partners, you come out and try to learn and get better. And, um, I was sitting on the side. I can actually remember it clear as day. I was sitting on the side, I'm watching Colette and Abe working out and Abe, Sincero Abe, uh, kind of, I can't remember if it was his ankle or his knee, but he tweaked something and he was, you know, kind of injured and he had to go off and they needed a partner and, you know, they're like, Kelly, get in there. So I, I go with Carrie, work out, don't think anything of it. Um, and we go back to Stillwater and Teague Moore, who was friends with, with Carrie, they had a relationship, um, called me and asked me if I would go out to West Virginia and work out with Carrie. And I was like, sure. Yeah. I, I got nothing else going on. Um, you know, I had obviously known who Carrie Colat was and, and the caliber of wrestler he was. So once, once that got finalized, you know, I, I go out, put on my shoes, start running, trying to get in shape. So I'm like, oh man, I gotta work out with Carrie. I, I gotta work out with Carrie Colat. This is going to be, this is going to be crazy. How did and, the go go um, in Colorado when you guys first wrestled? Like was it close or I honest I honestly don't remember. Um I, I know I like, you know, it went well. Sometimes you just work out with people and and you kinda right. click as far as 
it just flows well as far as the drilling and the wrestling we give each other a good feel and um i don't recall i don't even remember how long we went i didn't even like like i said i didn't even think anything of it but when teague called me about going out to work out with them i didn't even i was just kind of like wow that's kind of out of nowhere but um obviously jumped at the opportunity wow i mean what a what a crazy kind of twist of fate that see i thought when you were at the olympic training center the first time that you knew then you were going to be his workout partner so you left, did the camp in Reno, got back a week later. You probably forgot about it. And then next thing you know, you get a call to go work out at West Virginia to, to train with Colette for the Olympics. I mean, that is that is incredible. Oh, yeah. I had no I, – I, it was completely out of nowhere, you know, as far as Keith calling me and asking me to go out. I didn't – it wasn't like, you know, Carrie and I were hanging out in the cafeteria and in the dorms at the training center and we became best friends. Uh, it was kind of out of nowhere. So that, that was part of this, you know – the scary part too is I'm going to West Virginia to work out with this guy and I don't I don't know him. I don't know him at all. I know of him, but I don't know. <laughs> Dude, and just let the people know if they don't know already, how intense was this guy when he was working out when he was training? I mean, just you know, focused, obviously very hard working, wanting to perfect everything that that he did and just always trying to push himself to the limit to become the best wrestler that he could be. So that, that was in itself, just me seeing, learning how somebody at that level trains, um, obviously was, was instrumental in, in me becoming, um, you know, competitive freestyle athlete because I was able to, to see that and know that obviously I had, I had that around me at Oklahoma state, but, um, being with Carrie, you know, took it to a whole different level. Isn't it crazy how when you're around people, you start to carry the confidence that they have and you start to adopt kind of the mindset and the way they carry themselves just from being around them? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and he was great. His, his wife, Aaron, was great. Like We, re- we really just clicked um, as far as friendship-wise, working out, everything was just, it, 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 was, it was awesome. And, you know, while I was there, you know, Abe was still dealing with his injury and, you know, at the time they were having to decide, you know, who was going to, who he was going to take as his training partner. And, um, you know, he asked me and I was like, heck yeah, of course. I mean, I've never, I've never been overseas. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go, but yeah, I, I, I'd be honored to do it. So, um, you know, that, that twist of fate, you know, was just, I mean, one of the biggest blessings of my life. Unbelievable. And so take take the folks in, though, including me, because I have no idea. I mean, I, I know of Kerry Colhead, of course, high school phenom, um, and some of the, the really weird things that happened to him at the world-level championships. Um, but I, and I don't know him at all, though. It's so like, what was a workout like? Like, would you go an hour straight? Would you go five minutes of takedowns? What was it? What was the experience like actually training and working out with him? Um, it, it wasn't anything crazy i would say I, I i do remember that the first takedown uh the first practice he was like all right we're gonna go the first to five takedowns first to four first to three first to two first to one and in my mind i'm like that's a that's a lot of wrestling um you know with with two two high level good guys that's you know it, it takes a while to get to that point so i was like i don't know if he doesn't think i'm that good and it'll be quick or if he just you know, that's just how he trains all the time. Um, but I was just up for, you know, I was a young kid, like, Hey, all right, whatever, whatever you need me to do. And, um, you know, it, we'd, we'd usually come in and drill or weight lift or run in the morning and then wrestle in the afternoon. And, um, I would, I would say it was, it was intense, but it wasn't like I was, it, it was a good intensity. Like, you know, when you went in there, it was focused, let's go to work. It wasn't like I was, scared or you know he was just like right so intense that it was uncomfortable it was it was it was a comfortable focused type training atmosphere and and workouts um we didn't do anything over the top crazy that i would say i i I do remember we did this bike workout um we had some some heart monitors on and we had to we had to get our our heart rate up to a certain level and keep it there and and that was that was pretty intense um but other than that, the wrestling and so on and so forth was, was nothing nothing too crazy, I, w- I would say. 
And so at this time, are you kind of talking to John Smith saying, hey, you know, this opportunity has kind of presented itself. Maybe I might go another quad or has that not even been brought up yet? No, that had not even been brought up yet. Um, okay. You know, I, I go back and I'm like, hey, Terry asked me to be his training partner. And he's like, yeah, you know, that, that's awesome. Um, and there's still, you know, there were still training camps to, to be had before we went to Sydney. So, um, you know, I went to the training camps and, and with him being the coach, he kind of, kind of saw how I was, I was working out, how I was doing with those guys. And, you know, I, I think that started to maybe in his mind, this is me assuming, I don't know. Um, I've never really asked him, but saying, oh, maybe, maybe, you know, this freestyle thing might be all right for Kelly. Um, one of the things that, that stick out for me is, you know, like I said, I was one of the young guys and you had Sammy Henson, Terry Brands, Terry Cole at Lincoln McAravey, who were the lower weights on the team. And, and I was, I was just like, you know, when I, Jamel get in there, I'm, you know, I'm going with anybody, everybody. I'm, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't care. I'm just enjoying it, you know, being around all those guys and, and having the opportunity. And I wrestled Terry Brands in a match and he's, he's beaten me. Um, and there's probably 15 seconds left and he's up by, by two points. Um, and I double leg him right into a leg lace. So I got one and two and I ended up beating him in the match. And so what was in his my reaction? Mind, that was, oh, he, you know, he, he was upset, flipped out, you know, kind of stormed off, but then came back and, you know, said, thank you. And, and me and him actually trained a lot during those, those camps as well. And if you ask him, he probably doesn't remember when you're training, you don't think about those kind of things. I don't remember yeah. You know, some kid from Oklahoma State tells you he took me down. But for me, it was one of those, hey, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I can compete with these guys. It was it was kind of a, for me, it was one of those, like, light bulb moments that kind of kind of helped uh, give me a little more confidence that, like I said before, that I was really lacking. And, and so just going through those training camps um, gave me the opportunity to wrestle those guys and just feel comfortable. I was just a lot more comfortable in freestyle. Obviously, I was in a situation where I wasn't competing, so I was just wrestling. So there was no anxiety or stress that I struggled with in college. So um, that was one of the things that really helped uh, kind of get me to the next level as far as confidence. And like I said, with Coach Smith being there and being able to observe it, I think giving him confidence that you know maybe maybe we can let this kid stick around and maybe he does have a future in freestyle. Because back then, did you have to apply to be a part of the Gator Club? Like, because there's only so much money to go around. How did how did all that work? So, once you got back from the Olympics, obviously it must have been an incredible experience, life changing moment to be at the Olympics. But then, you know, when you got back, the momentum must have been incredible. I mean, did you have to apply to be a? I guess I don't know how that works when there's limited funds or something like that. So when when I got back, you know, I was like, Coach, I want to I want to stick around. I want to continue to you know try freestyle after after going to Sydney and just going through that whole experience I was like I want to I want to give this a try and you know I, I like I said I didn't accomplish anything it wasn't like I could ask him to start paying me you know a stipend or anything like that so I was actually the equipment manager for Oklahoma State that year after I graduated <laughs> so, you know I'm I, I'm working out but you know I'm the guy doing laundry getting their warm-ups doing all that kind of stuff and um that year, I, as I continued to start going over, you know, overseas and being able to compete, and then I ended up taking third at the U.S. Open and then uh, making the national team, finishing third, and that's that's when uh, that's when you know things kind of changed and the Gator Club picked me up. Gator Club had just started um, while I was at Oklahoma State through James Ravenack and Daniel Cormier's um, relationship. When when Daniel Cormier uh, you know, decided to come to Oklahoma State. That that's how that kind of all developed, and um, kind of used the Oklahoma State athletes as the base to start the Gator Wrestling Club. So I was part of that kind of original crew with me, Keith Moore, Eric Guerrero, Daniel Cormier. Um, that's kind of how it all kind of all began. Man, so I mean, you think about that twelve to fifteen month period from when you got done at the Nationals, the NCAs, as a senior in March. To like the following September of 2000, after you got back from the Olympics, I mean, you talk about having your life changed. That is one of the had to be one of the most exciting times of your life to to kind of go through all that because again, you didn't have the pressure of competing. You were just in there, kind of soaking everything up. 
for sure. And it's still, you know, I still hadn't competed um, in freestyle as far as, you know, tournaments. I I went to universities and so on and so forth while I was in college, but not really like freestyle focused and, and really, um, you know, just going out there for me per se um, and just trying to develop and, and get to where I wanted to go as far as, you know, making a national team and trying to make world and Olympic team. So yeah, it, de- it definitely was, you know, just, just a crazy experience in time for me. I got to know, could coach Smith still scrap in the early two thousands or was he mostly uh, kind of taking a step back at that point? Yeah, he didn't, he didn't go, he didn't go that much with us at all. Honestly, at least with me, I know sometimes him and Eric would go and sometimes him and, um, he would go and at, at different times, not so much in practice. He he ran the majority of the workouts, so he you know he was giving instructions and blowing a whistle more so than wrestle with the guys. So um, there wasn't there there was only one time that, that specifically sticks out after after I made the team um, in 2004. He we're about to start a normal practice, and he he starts jumping around and kind of warming up, and I was like, what is this dude doing? And he was like, Kelly, let's go. He was like, I know I could have made the team in, in 96 and 2000. I'm going to see if I can make the team in 2004. <laughs> I'm like, and I was like, this dude is crazy. And it, it was just, you know, as a coach, just trying to get a rise out of me as an athlete, make me step up my level of intensity, you know, my level of intensity and, and go out there. And, and, and we wrestled. And he's obviously, you know, older, out of shape, not, not training. Um, but that was that was one of the times that he kind of kind of stepped up and and, uh, and uh, stepped on the line, and tried to tried to take me out. Man, so he's like, I could have made it in '96 and 2000. I want to see if I can still make it now. Yeah, and you know, he said it jokingly. That, yeah, yeah. that wasn't like a shot at at no. Tom Brands and Terry Colat, but it was not. just kind of a you know um, just poking fun. And like I said, it made me. I, it did. I was like this. SOB is crazy. Like he actually thinks he's going to beat me right now. <laughs> now, before we get to that point of making the team, this this four year window is really fascinating to me because you know, you were just totally focused on one thing, and you had some you know really great training partners around you. You mentioned Teague Moore, and and then obviously Guerrero and Cormier also made the Olympic team. When did you start your friendship with DC? Uh, from his recruiting trip, you know, I was, I was, uh, one of his hosts along with Reggie Wright. And, um, you know, we, he went the junior college route like I did and, and came in and we became, you know, friends pretty instantly and obviously still friends to this day. So, um, that was kind of, a just a, a natural friendship that occurred and, and obviously helped, uh, we helped each other and, and during the ups and downs of, of our wrestling careers and, and personal things that just kind of uh, kind of evolved and, and helped us grow as wrestlers and as men. It had to be so much more fun to do it with like your buddies versus you know some of the times you hear about guys training for the Olympics, it seems like a, a super lonely pursuit, but you had three guys who made the team all train there together. It had to be just an incredible experience. Plus, the college team was really good at that time as well. Right. It, it, there was never a lack of motivation. There was never, you knew every time you came in that room that um, you got young guys like Esposito at the time trying to take me out every single day. And, um, <laughs> you know, obviously, obviously had Guerrero in there. So you knew every time you stepped in there and, and laced up the shoes that, that somebody was going to come and try to take you out. So you were always, always focused and, and came in there to, to get better. And, and, and having those guys around, um, training for a common goal as far as you know the post post college guys and then the college guys you know trying to trying to strive to to win NCAA titles as an individual and team it just it just made for a great atmosphere as far as um environment and just the motivation and, and being able to go in there and just be excited absolutely and then you know all that all that's kind of going at the same time. It's meshing together. And then, you know, 2001, 2002, you get third at the world team or third. Yeah. Third at the world team trials in 2001, uh, third again in 2002, which kind of a, a weird rest off situation. So you're, I mean, making incredible strides and then you get to 2003. Uh, they had a weight class change and you had to go up in a weight. And so all these other guys are dropping down. And so now 
your weight class is one of the most loaded that I can remember. You know, maybe some of the weight classes this year stack up against it, but you had Linka McAravey, Tony Davis, Chris Bono, um, Bill Zadick, all at the same weight class. And at the Nationals in 2003, you got fifth. And so that had to be kind of one of those self-reflecting moments where, I don't know, I, and you could tell me I'm wrong, but maybe the doubt starts creeping in again, or maybe some of the negativity starts creeping in. Did that happen after that Nationals in 2003? Oh, 100%. You know, I was I was a 41 uh, wrestling, you know, 66 kilo at the time. So that was, that was well, I'm sorry, 63 kilo at the time. So that was kind of a good weight class for me. I wasn't big, but it was a good size for me as far as, you know, physically being able to, to wrestle with that and feeling confidential-wise. And, you know, when they combined the weight classes and made it 145, I was really small for the weight. So having those guys coming down that were that were bigger and accomplished and, you know, it started, well, maybe I'm not, you know, maybe 2004 is not the right time. Maybe 2008, I, I need to get bigger. I started, started questioning myself and that kind of, kind of led to my performance in 2003 although i mean i lost to tony davis and lincoln McRae at the nationals it wasn't like i lost to you know a bunch of nobodies but um i definitely went in there mentally um starting to kind of revert back to the things that that held me back in college and you know that was something i obviously had to switch uh for me to continue to to wrestle in freestyle and and to have the success it's like you can't you can't be in there just going through the motions if you're not going to go out there and expect to win. Right. No, I mean, obviously I think that's, most people don't realize that till way later in their career when it's all, you know, it's all, it's too late and gone, but you know, you were having you know, some of these thoughts while you're, while you were still at it. Um, did coach Smith ever have any kind of heart to hearts or any conversations with you about that after the 2003 nationals or was he kind of can let you figure it out in your own type of deal? No, we talked about it and he was, you know, pretty, he was all, he's to this day, you know, he's pretty straightforward and doesn't try to sugarcoat anything. And, you know, basically like, Hey, if you're, if you're going to do this, you got to go out there and expect to win, go out there and, and give your best and not, not go out there just trying to survive and just trying to get by. You got to have confidence in yourself and your abilities and, and go out there and compete. Um, and that was something I just had to kind of do some self-reflection myself and look in the mirror and be like, Hey, you got to, you got to get tough. That was something he used to always say, you know, I just, I just had to, to man up and um, control the controllables, which is, you know, one of the things I started focusing on was, okay, you know, these guys are going to be bigger and stronger. I'm, I'm hitting the weight room more than I was before, but where I could maybe gain advantage was, you know, being able to really work on the technical aspects. And some of these guys, you know, we're having to concentrate a lot on their weight control and getting weight down. That was something I really didn't have to do much of. So I could concentrate a lot more on the, the technical aspects of it and, and really trying to put myself in the best position, um, you know, strategically and tactically to go out there and have success. Yeah, dude, like how much was McElravey cutting to get to 145 that late in his career? Oh, he was. He was big. I mean, the, the, when I wrestled him at the U.S. Open, and, and that was one of the ones I was just, him and Tony both, I was just like, wow, I, I don't even feel like I can do anything with these guys. Like, they're just so, you know, big. I'm not being able to move them or get to certain positions that I feel comfortable in. And, you know, those are the those are the kind of things that I was struggling with mentally and, and had to adapt and, and change the focus and tactics the, the next time around when I wrestled them. So, and so I'm sure you, like you said, you hit the gym, you know, you're maybe put on a few extra pounds of muscle, but I got to think most of the change that happened in 2003 between the nationals and the world team trials happened in your mind. So were you starting to get into your visualization or in the listeners are probably annoyed because I ask this question all the time, but I just love understanding if people are big visualizers and what they thought about and, and that kind of thing. Were you get, starting to get into this at this point? Yeah, it really was started to, you know, I started to read a lot of Shin. I read Shin Tzu, like The Art of War, and a lot of Bruce Lee kind of books and mindset things that he had. And and you know, obviously, you know, that's one of the things about Bruce Lee, right? He was always taking down these bigger and tougher people, and how his mindset was, and and what he was thinking when he went out there and and did what he did. And so I I tried to try to 
take a little bit of those things and try to incorporate it into my mindset, how I trained and how I tactically went about things. And um, it gave me a, a little bit more kind of confidence and, and ease in my mind that, you know, if I go out there and, and wrestle the way I'm capable of doing that, you know, I can, I can have success. Yeah, I mean, it has to uh, has to make a difference, and it, it's funny you say that. Whenever I have something, I get nervous for it. I think of that Bruce Lee quote, like water. So, like, it just has a kind of soothing effect on you, you know. To think about someone who's so zen like that, um, and so going into the trials in '03, you know, before it happened, there was a really an unspeakable tragedy happened. Um, DC, I think everyone knows, DC lost his daughter in a car crash. Horrific. Um, you were being his best friend. Did that play on you? Did that put a chip on your shoulder at all going into that trials, knowing that he wasn't going to be there with you and you guys were like best friends? Yeah, 100%. I was actually, I was with him when he got the phone call. So we were at his, we were at his apartment. It was, I think it was two weeks out and it was kind of a, we were having like a little barbecue kind of get together and it's me, Muhammad, the wall and Daniel and a couple other people. And, you know, he, he got the, he got the word of, of what happened. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I, oh gosh, how old was I at the time? Um, 24, 24, 23, 24. Um, and so I had never dealt with anything like this. Like you see your friend just being crushed with the worst, you know, one of the worst things that can happen to somebody and not knowing exactly how to comfort them or, or what to do and just kind of putting things in perspective as far as, um, you know, embracing the time that you have and going out and, you know, when you have opportunities to do things, making the most of it because tomorrow's not promised to you. And so heading to, it, it gave me a little bit more focus, I guess, going into those next couple of weeks and, and going into that tournament, you know, I was, I was thinking about him a lot and just what he was going through. And, you know, he was actually still like, you know, texting me and calling me and, you know, telling me I can do it. And, you know, it kind of, for me, I was like, wow, this guy's going through what he's going through and he's still, you know, checking in on me and, and the other guys. And I was like, man, I, I just need to just go out there and wrestle, just embrace this opportunity and just go out there and compete. And um, it kind of freed my mind a little bit and, and the nervousness. Cause I was just, like I said, I, I was thinking more of just the opportunity and, and being blessed with the opportunity and, and taking advantage of the opportunity um, versus being scared about the opportunity and what was ahead of me. And so it kind of freed my mind and let me just go out there and, and wrestle. Yeah. Just really let it rip. And that's, I mean, that's what you see when you watch those matches. It's incredible, though, that DC was still kind of helping with you and working with you, even though you know he just lost his, you know, baby daughter. That's in, that's just horrific to think about. So he was kind of still in your head and in your ear. And then, you know, the tournament loaded as usual. You get through Tony Davis. You get through Bill Zadek. Which God, I watched that match. That dude just looks so freaking thick and so strong. I mean, I can't even. Can't even imagine. And then you get to McElravey, who I think I read a stat that he didn't he hadn't lost to an American in a long time. Uh, obviously, Olympic bronze medalist, three time NCAA champ, um, and he had beaten a galley from Canada before, so like he could have easily won. And so you had him in the semis. You end up beating him. I mean, at that point, were you st- were you kind of in in cruise control, or were you still you getting revved up for the Bono match? Yeah, every match, I was, you know, and not that I you knew, wouldn't get ready for it, but right, and I and I knew, I knew from the from the way the nationals broke down, I knew who I was going to have to wrestle to to get through the tournament. So it was just kind of you know one match at a time. But like I said, it was probably the most free that I've just ever just wrestled and just kind of just went out there and, and let it fly. And um, you know, I I knew from wrestling him the previous time at the open, just some of the tactical things and changes that I needed to make. And, and coach Smith had told me, you know, before I wrestled him, like, Hey, I've seen this guy wrestle, you know, if he gets, if you get ahead of him early, like he, he really starts just, he starts coming hard like he does. And that, that's what makes him made him very good, obviously. But he also, it opened him up to 
to expose himself to different scoring opportunities. And that's what I was uh, fortunately able to take advantage of because it, it kind of played just kind of like he said, as far as that, because he really, really just started coming frantically at me and I was able to, to take advantage of that. Yeah. And then you make the team and, you know, world championships are at New York city that year, which had to be awesome wrestling in front of your home crowd. And yeah, I know it didn't go the way you wanted, but you know, you still pro- had to feel pretty good. I mean, it just, in just three years since you had that workout with Colat at the training center, now you're the number one guy in the U S at the, one of the toughest weight classes ever. And so where were you at mentally going into Oh four? Were you starting to tighten up again because now you were the number one guy or were you still wrestling loose and free? Um, no, um, I kind of, I reverted back to the McRaby story, but sorry. As, as I got into that finals of, of 03 against Bono, like, you know, I, w- I was confident as far as, you know, I had wrestled them before and, and I knew if, if I did the things that, that I needed to do that, you know, I, I could, I could win. And he had that year, he had done very, very well um, internationally. And, you know, that's who, you know, everybody thought was going to win. And as far as, you know, the best team for the U.S. and him getting a medal. They obviously wanted him to make the team, and then I come, I come in there and make the team, and I go into New York and obviously don't have the tournament that I wanted. Um, you know, I popped the rib like the the final workout, um, kind of before you know we would just concentrate on weight control. You know, I popped the rib and and I let it plague, you know, my mind a little bit too much mentally and, and kind of you know, went in there a little more nervous, obviously, than you already are because of that and um, ended up losing in my pool. And back then, you had to win your pool to advance. I lost to the Cuban in my pool. So he advanced. I went one and one. And, you know, after the tournament, everybody's, you know, obviously not like it is now, but, you know, on the magazine articles and stuff, you know, talking about I was, you know, it was a flute that I made the team in 03 and so on and so forth. And, you know, it, I took some time off to kind of, refocus and motivate myself a lot of the friends all, all of my friends actually that I grew up with none of them wrestled so um I went out and hung with them because for me it was actually it was better because they didn't really talk about wrestling or anything <laughs> I just kind of was able to just you know kind of free my mind a little bit and they get refocused and um you know it gave me a little chip on my shoulder to kind of prove everybody wrong that you know I wasn't just a you know one one hot tournament guy and so going into the nationals in 04, which is obviously a big, big tournament the year of the Olympics, because at the time, if you won the U S open, you, you set and were the Olympic trial, Olympic, uh, finals, Olympic trials finals. So, um, you know, I went in there with trying to prove something. I'll let everybody know that, you know, it wasn't just a fluke. So, um, I, 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 I was confident going in, like I said, just having that chip on my shoulder to prove everybody wrong. But before you got to that U.S. Open, though, I got I, I can't forget about this because I thought this was interesting. You went to the Uregan, you know, fresh off your trip from San Diego, where you kind of got refocused. And in the first round, you have this guy who had you ever heard of? Um, I can never pronounce Russian names. Who's the guy you wrestled in the Mar- Uregan? Mardizaliev. Had you ever right. heard of him before then? No, so I hadn't heard of him. I knew of um, you know Farniev. He was the defending world champion. He was at my weight and. Um, the Kirov, who was a world bronze medalist two years ago at my weight. So I knew who those guys were, but this guy, I had no idea who he was. So, you know, I lose to him in a, a close match, three to one or three zero, the first match. And, you know, I'm like, what the heck, you know, I'm losing to this guy. I don't even know who this guy is, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes on to win the tournament. So that kind of, all right, well, maybe the loss isn't as bad as, you know, it seems. And, Obviously, he was able to go on and, and win the European Championships and the Russian Nationals and, and be their guy at the, the Olympic Games. Yeah, so I mean that that had to be kind of a crazy thing too. Is you you know Russia's always got a stable of guys, obviously, but you know you you kind of run into someone you never heard of, and you know I just think it's really interesting to hear about all these dichotomies of you know and and the ups and downs that, that a high level athlete goes through. Any athlete. I mean, we're focusing on you here, but I'm sure most athletes go through these ups and downs of, hey, I'm feeling really good, made the team, you know, didn't place at the Worlds in front of my home crowd. Then, you know, kind of feeling good coming out of, 
hanging out with your friends and then you go to Russia and you get beat by a guy I've never heard of. And so I just think it's it just shows the resilience and perseverance that high level athletes have to have mentally just to get through all that. I mean, even John Smith, like after he won the Olympics in 88, he got beat by Gil Sanchez and the at the all-star meet to a college guy. You know, it's like so there's just all these ups and downs. Um, you know, and then I was talking to Esposito about this, but you know, at the Olympic trials, obviously in 04, kind of coming full circle, you're at the RCA dome. And all these studs that we talked about, none of them make the finals. This kid, Jared Lawrence, who obviously, you know, really, really, really good wrestler um, from Minnesota. He makes the finals. Did you know anything about him at that point? No. And that was actually, you know, so going into the trials after after winning the U.S. Open and, and you know, being able to sit out. And so you watch the, the mini tournament. And I obviously, you know, I'm thinking of, of Bono or Zadik or Larkin and, you know, I'm, I'm scouting and, you know, preparing for these guys and, you know, Lawrence comes through and it was kind of eerie because he was, he kind of had the same tournament that I had in 03. Like mm-hmm. He was beating guys that he had never beaten before. And I was like, Oh man. And I hadn't really, uh, like I said, I had really watched them. So I'm like, you know, asking people, Hey, what's he do? <laughs> How's he do this? You know, <laughs> this and that and the other thing. Cause I, I, I really didn't know a whole lot about him. And, you know, it was, it was a lot more nerve wracking in that situation because I'm sure for him, you know, he was going out there and letting it fly because not to say he didn't expect to be there, but you know, he was a little less pressure, I assume on him than myself. And so it was, uh, it was really, it was almost tougher mentally because I wasn't prepared for him versus if it was, like I said, Bono or Zadik or one of those guys that I already competed with or expected to compete against. Well, and then you, against all odds, drop a match to him. And so now you're, and I remember this, because going into the, the like, there's only a couple matches that went three. Kale and Lee Fullhart went three. You went three. Um, and obviously the big Greco match beforehand, where they literally just wrestled for 18 minutes. <laughs> and from what I hear, like, you were the next match out. So, like, you know, everyone has a routine, you know, maybe 10 minutes out. You put this song on, you start doing this warm-up, whatever, kind of get in your groove. This freaking Greco match between Paulson and, um, is it Hall? Dennis Hall? Yep, It went 18 or whatever minutes. I'll never forget it. I mean, they got at, to the end of the overtime, and they just kept, the ref just kept waving his hand. They're just going to keep going until they scored. And, and the announcer of the arena was just kind of telling the crowd, but as well as the wrestlers, this thing is going until one of you score, which was probably the right way to do it but so like god that had to really that had to mess with you a little bit because you think you're gonna wrestle in 10 minutes next thing you know it's 30 minutes later and you're back there with esposito and coach smith i mean did that did that plague you at all or were you just laser focused at that point oh no it it, it plagued me a lot um, <laughs> you know i i dropped i dropped the second match and daniel and eric won so they're on the olympic team they're happy they're all excited and i'm like crap like I'm the, I'm the one that didn't make it. And I'm, I'm like, you know, they're excited and I, I'm looking at them, but then I still have to wrestle and I'm just over there, like trying to keep myself together. And then we get on deck for that match and we, you know, we get in the staging area and then it's just going and going and, and just trying to keep myself composed and, and calm, not knowing when that match was going to end and, and when we were going to step out there. Um, and obviously I'm, I'm sure Lawrence was going through those same emotions, but it was, I mean, I'd be hard pressed to find two individuals, meaning me and Lawrence, that were in a more stressful situation, being on deck, going out there to wrestle for the Olympic team, and having that match go before you. And also, we're, I mean, we're still we're seeing that match too, so we're seeing all the the, the emotional roller coaster that that match was um, was just was just it was tough. <laughs> it was it was tough. I will, I will have to admit, it was very very tough. Man, that's that's just crazy to think about. Like even now. I mean, obviously they don't have that those kind of overtime roles, but um, then yeah, I know we're winding down here, and I, I actually do have to jump in a few minutes, but I just think this one part's really cool. So you make the team within four years, you had made just incredible strides, you know, both mentally, physically, and technically, and then you get to the Olympics, pretty good pool. You win your pool, but then you're back against <laughs> this Russian cat who you wrestled in 03, or no, 04 at the Uregan. Was it 03? It was 04 at the Oregon. Yeah. yeah. So now you wrestle this guy and like, 
you know, anytime you got to go through someone from Dagestan at a big event, it's it's going to be on the line. How were you, like, where were you at mentally going into that match in the Olympic semis? I was a lot more confident. I was one of those people, if I, if I wrestled you once, I, I, could, I could tactically and strategically kind of figure it out and put myself in a, in a better position to win and kind of not make the same mistakes. And that was, it was the biggest blessing that I wrestled him before because I knew some of the things he did and the tendencies he had. So I was able to, um, you know, stay calm and put myself, you know, in a position to win. And he, he was still, I mean, obviously I lost in the final to the DF, but murder Zaliev was just, he was so good position wise and just the things that he did. I obviously I, never, I didn't get a takedown in a match. I was able to expose him in overtime, but like, trying to crack the code of being able to get to a scoring position was just so hard. So just trying to figure out like how I'm going to score on this guy, whether it be from the clinch, whether it be from whatever, um, you know, just trying to figure that out was, was tough. But as far as be- knowing that I could go out there and compete and beat him because I knew I can shut down some of the stuff he did. Um, I was, I was a lot more confident having wrestled him before. Yeah. I mean, it has, has to make a world of difference. And then ultimately you get second, lose to one of the best ever, uh, who was wrestling for Ukraine at the time, but obviously still from that Chechnya region, so it's all all pretty much the same. Um, could have easily wrestled, I'm sure, for the Soviet Union back in the day, but he was at U- with Ukraine and you know three time world champ, Olympic bronze, Olympic champ, one of the best. Um, so obviously you weren't happy with silver, but you know no wrestlers, but I'm sure it had to be pretty uh, pretty fulfilling to get there. And I think just the last question as we wind this down is, you know, if you look back on this this kind of crazy journey you've been on, and now obviously you're the coach at Arizona State, you've been a division level, division one level coach for quite some time, you've made a career out of wrestling, but you know, how did wrestling change your life or what what impact did it make on you? Uh if you can uh, obviously if you, <laughs> if you can summarize <laughs> it. <laughs> you know, it's it's been the the biggest blessing in my life. Obviously, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for wrestling, if it wasn't for my high school coach pushing me to wrestle, if it wasn't for the people, I guess having the, the right people in my life at the right time. Um, through the ups and downs, I've always been fortunate enough to have people around me that were able to allow me and put me in a position to continue to succeed. Um, you know, there's all this happen if I don't go to Oklahoma State? Does all this happen if John Smith wasn't the Olympic coach in 2000? Does all this happen if Terry Collat doesn't take me to to Sydney as his training partner? You know, all all those different things I can go back and and kind of try to pinpoint and look at, and it you know it's just blessed. Kind of crazy. I could say is I've just been blessed. Yeah. Wow. Un- it really is unbelievable. And now you're obviously you've made making a career out of wrestling and, and I'm glad we have time for this because I have to ask this one question. So when you were at Stanford, you were right next to AKA and your and your good friend DC and you trained with some of those guys. Could Khabib get a takedown on Yanni, Burroughs, any of those guys? Could Khabib get a takedown in straight up freestyle wrestling on any of the top guys? Oh, that's a tough he's like he's honestly really, really good. We used to take uh Boris at the time, I would take him over to AKA and some of our college guys. And he's really, really good. How tough is he thing, too, though, man? Yeah, right. And he just, you know, he, he trains with all those guys in Mahatskala. So, you know, he's always been around high-level wrestlers and training with high-level wrestlers. The one thing that's, the, the reason why it's difficult for me to say is because he's very good at using the, the fence and the cage as far as you know pinning opponents up mm. there and using it offensively and defensively so as far as just being in the open um that's a little bit harder for me to that's fair to give you a definitive answer but i will say it it wouldn't be easy it wouldn't be easy for any of them to take him down and i, I really his defense is very very good i just wanted to get a sense of if he was a because everyone says he's a wrestler but like to me He's more of a Sambo guy. I don't think he ever even wrestled like cadet freestyle in Dagestan. Maybe he did, but um, I was just wondering like how good of a wrestler he is. Um, and obviously he's probably the best fighter of all time. But um, I just had to get get your thoughts on that man since you've been in there in the trenches with him. Yeah, he's he's really good. And like I said, this the mindset and work ethic that those guys have down there, and, and just how it's ingrained in them and how they were raised. He uh, they just know how to compete. 
and know how to just, you know, they're just tough. Dude. Try, to, try to figure it. Yeah. Just try to figure out ways to get takedowns and a lot of tricks and tactics. So yeah, he, it was, it was really cool being able to um, experience that with Daniel and seeing those guys train and how they trained and, and uh, you know, being a little part of that was, was also a great experience for me. Do you think DC's got one more in him? Um, I think so. I think the only fight that he would, would take a rematch with Stipe. I think other than that, um, right. I don't think there's anything else left for him to to accomplish. Um, you know, he's getting to be an old man and father time stays undefeated. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's obviously positioned himself with, with other opportunities and things where I don't think he needs, he needs anything else to kind of solidify what he's already accomplished and what he's meant to, to the sport. No, no question. I, I, you know, I think a lot of people like to see him retire just to just to save his body. But you know, that's that's obviously up to him, and everyone would tune into that third Stepe fight. Um, Jamil, it's been an honor, sir. I love hearing these stories. Uh, this was one of the most requested ones to hear. So, thank you very much for your time. Best of luck at CKLV this weekend. Thank you so much, and appreciate you having me on. And all great things must come to an end. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Give us a review, give us a rating, and share this with your friends. It would mean the world to us. Thanks for listening to Wrestling Changed My Life.